0: But, but but either way, no we, we've been sharing a series on the wonder of Christmas, and we started talking about the danger of Christmas and, and how it can become so uh, busy with all the stuff that's going on that uh, we get distracted and, and instead of getting closer and drawing closer to Jesus during this time, most people or a lot of people, they end up becoming more distant and then we talked about the uh, miracle of Christmas, and we talked about the uh, uh, you know the, the, the virgin birth, the you know. In Incarnation. Then last week we talked about the peace of Christmas, and and today we're going to uh, finish this sermon series uh, uh, talking about the scars of Christmas. You know, Christmas is not the end of the story. Christmas is actually the beginning of the story, and and so we're going to look at some scripture here in in John chapter number twenty, and we're going to be reading verses twenty-four through twenty-one. And if you're there, say Amen. Verse 24 says, Now, Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. Now, that's important to note because, you know, this is, this scripture, what's happening in its context is that Jesus has already been crucified. He's been raised from the dead. and, And now he's actually appearing back to his disciples. But Thomas, the Bible says, was not there uh, when Jesus came, and the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. Now, look, notice what his statement here he says. So he said to them, Unless I see the hands, the nail prints, or the prints of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and I put my hand into the side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. You know, I don't know about you, but you know what? I want to be a part of a church that, 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 that I don't want to miss because of Jesus showing up and doing something special. You know, Jesus is showing up. It's a pretty big deal when Jesus shows himself after he's been resurrected, and then you miss out on it. You know, I mean, that's the kind of church we ought to have. That's the kind of service we ought to have. A kind of service where that that if we miss, then we've missed something very big that God's doing. I I believe that that that's going to happen. That's the way it's going to be uh, very, very soon. But, you know, he says, uh, if I don't put my hand uh, and my finger into the hands and to the side, he said, I I won't believe. Now, notice uh, what it says in verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hands here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me and you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's talking about you and I. Would you pray with me? Father, we're thankful again just to be gathered in your house. We're thankful for the Word of God. We're thankful for the Spirit of God. We're thankful for the people of God. We're thankful for the church family. And I just pray, God, that you would just visit us in a special way and speak to our hearts this morning that as we leave today that we can say that we've surely been in your presence and that we've drawn close to you. I pray, Lord, that you would bless your Word And cause it to be sealed in our heart. Let it bring forth fruit a hundredfold. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Scars of Christmas. Now, we've mentioned this in a previous message that, you know, the birth of Jesus is so much more than just a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. You know, the the Christmas story is full of the supernatural taking place. You know, there's angelic visitations, there's supernatural events taking place, there's signs and wonders in the heaven, there's a star that appears, there's there's an angelic host that Singing and praising god and, and, and then there's also the the prophetic declarations we talked about how that the birth of jesus is is significant and it was miraculous, you know one because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, but also that he was born of a virgin but but even even as, just as equally as significant is the fact that jesus' birth, life, and death was the fulfillment of over thirty prophecies that took place between seven hundred and a thousand years before Jesus was actually born. It's one of the most convincing things uh, when it comes to uh, sharing your faith with people that, that you could actually share. That his birth was was not just predicted, but it was fulfilled even down to the location of where he would be born. But the issue of Jesus being both God and man, and that's who Jesus is. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully man. He is the God man. You know, the issue when you, when you begin to share that, it's one of of the most confusing and one of the most controversial issues in all of Christian uh, theology. Jesus being one man with two natures. You know, Jesus being fully God and fully man. Jesus being humanity and divinity. Jesus being God in the flesh. That is the incarnation. That's what we call the advent. God coming to earth. God manifesting himself in human flesh. Now, the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He says, this is the great mystery of our faith. And he begins to describe it. He says that God was manifested in the flesh, that he was justified by the Spirit, that he was seen among angels, that he was preached among the Gentiles, that he was believed upon in the world, and that he was received up into glory. Now, the prophet Isaiah described uh, the birth of Jesus, the birth of the Messiah in in chapter 9. He said, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. When Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born, it's talking about Jesus' humanity, that he was born a man. He is the son of God. He is the son of man. But when he says that for us that a child is given, he is or a son is given, he's talking about His deity, again, He's fully God, fully man. That's a hard and a difficult thing for a lot of people to actually believe. Jesus is the God man. Jesus isn't a good man. Jesus never claimed to be a good man. Jesus claimed to be the God man. Jesus claimed to be God. In the flesh, and so people actually they, they struggle with this. And so, when we consider Jesus, we consider his humanity, we consider his his deity. It's important for you to know that as a child, he was born in Bethlehem. But as God, he has ruled for eternity throughout the ages. As a child Jesus was born, as a son he has no beginning. He is eternal. He is that is and was and is to come. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He has no beginning, he has no end. So when we're looking at the wonder of Christmas, that is an incredible thing to consider, but Christmas within itself actually has a darker story. You know, I told you uh, earlier before I started that, that, that Christmas is just the beginning of a story. It's not the ending. It's not the fulfillment. You know, the Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those that are under the law. But Christmas has a, a, a darker side. You know, Christmas not only has the stars, Christmas also has the scars. You know, when and when we consider the stars of Christmas, you know, we think about the star that that led the, the wise men, or they followed the star, or the sign that was that was given of where Jesus would be born. It was it's a supernatural thing. There's a lot of people that are so caught up in the supernatural events and supernatural things that happen. And do I believe in that? I absolutely do. But if you focus more on supernatural events and signs and wonders than you do on Jesus. Jesus, you're missing the mark. It's important for you to understand that everything that's written in the Bible was written specifically about Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you're missing the entire point that the Bible was written. It was written for us to know who Jesus is. But the Christmas story doesn't just have stars, it, it has scars. Why? Because as a man, Jesus was born to suffer and Jesus was born to die, right? But as God Jesus died for our sins now the scars are not incidental the the scars are not trivial the scars are not something that we should just kind of glance over and not actually consider the the scars are not incidental the scars are fundamental The scars are not just fundamental, the scars are essential. The scars are literal. The scars are eternal. As a matter of fact, when you consider the scars, the scars are the only man-made thing that is in heaven today. Did you know that? The only man-made thing in heaven today are the scars on the hands and the side and the feet of Jesus. The scars are there. So permanent were the scars that it altered Jesus as a man, but it never diminished who he was as God. So, uh, what do the scars have to teach us? Now, this is in your outline. I want to encourage you to write a few things down. What do the stars of Christmas have? actually have to teach us. And and the first thing that the scars teach us is, number one, that Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered. Now, that's important because the scripture makes perfectly clear that Jesus, the main purpose Jesus came was to die and suffer and die on the cross for the sins of the world. Now, we read in verse 27 that these same scars that were put there were as a result of what happened to him during the time of his suffering. He said, "If if I do not put my hands and fingers into the places where the nails were, where the scars are, he said, I wouldn't believe. Now, the truth is this. Jesus has scars, right? And I want to tell you this. If you follow Jesus long enough, you will too. Your Savior has scars. And you shouldn't be ashamed of them. He's not ashamed of them. And if you follow Jesus long enough, you're going to have some scars too. Now, here's another thing. While Jesus was here on earth, Jesus never sinned. But even though he never sinned, Jesus most definitely suffered. You can be sinless, not us, but him, And suffer at the same time. For us, sometimes we can suffer for doing the right thing. For us, sometimes we can suffer because uh, of bad people doing bad things to us. They have ill will. They have ill intent. But just because Jesus was sinless doesn't mean that Jesus did not have to suffer. But why was it necessary for Jesus to have to suffer and die on the cross? Now, we talked about this last week. You know, we talked about how that every one of us are born with a sinful nature, right? David said that I was conceived in sin and in sin did my mother conceive. Uh, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, every man, every woman, every boy and girl, every one of us are born with a sinful nature. Because we have a sinful nature, we also have the tendency to commit sin. There was only one sinless person, and that was Jesus. The rest of us have committed sin, which makes us what? Sinners. And so the Bible says that because we have committed sin, our sins have separated us from God. And ultimately the ultimate consequence of our sin is that we will all ultimately die and then there comes the judgment. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 or, or 27 says that it is appointed once for a man to die and then comes the judgment. But the main reason Jesus had to die is because number 1 the condition of man or or or, or the human condition Because we have sinned, it rendered us helpless to save ourselves. That's important. As a matter of fact, you cannot even understand grace. You cannot even understand salvation until you understand the condition of your own heart. And the less aware you are are of your own sinfulness, the, the less amazing grace becomes to you. The reason why people get saved and they abuse grace is because they do not see their own sinfulness the way God sees it. They don't actually see, not just their own sinfulness, they don't see what the the, the sins that they've committed, that you and I have committed, actually did to Jesus. You know, the cross was hideous and horrible because our sins are hideous and, horrible. and and so it's important that we see that our own human condition. Now here's the second thing. And the second reason why that, that God uh, 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 had to send his son to die on the cross and suffer and die for our sin is because of God's character. Now there's two attributes of God's character I want to give you that this is in your outline that, that are important. These are not the only attributes of God, but these are two that explain the point I'm trying to make. The first one is the love of God. It's very very easy for us to see the love of god when we look at jesus dying on the cross for our sins right we can we can be overwhelmed at his love for us right we can get overwhelmed when we see the sacrifice that he gave. He gave our be- his best for us, right? You know, when God sent Jesus to the earth, heaven went bankrupt. Nothing more valuable, nothing more beautiful, nothing more precious, nothing more significant in heaven than Jesus. And so when we look at Jesus on the cross, it's easiest for us to see that how much God loves us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that, uh, that God doesn't love us. It says that God is love. And he also says that as a result of God God being loved, he loves us. Now everybody's favorite scripture is John three sixteen, or everybody knows that scripture anyways. Even even people that, that are lost know that scripture. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, right? We, we all know that. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So we see one side of the cross, we see the, the love that God has for us. So God's loving nature, the fact that God is love, compelled him to go to the cross to die on behalf of you and I. You got that? Now, here's the second thing you need to get. Because there's, there's a lot of people, a lot of times, we'll take one characteristic of God and we will magnify it as if that is all God is. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, we'll make God a sugar daddy in the sky. You know, we'll make God whatever we want him to be. You know, we'll say God is a God of love and he's, you know, he, he's died for us and he's given us a grace. And then we'll take that grace and we'll use it as a license to sin against him. The Bible says, should we continue to sin against God once we've been saved? It says, God forbid, no. And so, but, but when we, we only focus on one attribute of God, we miss the whole point of why Jesus came. Because here's the second thing. The second thing, the second characteristic of God that we have to consider is that God is a, God of, is a just God. God is just. God is love, and God is just. Now, now what does that mean? You know, God... Loves us, yes. He loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you, and he loves me. But he also loves holiness. He also loves righteousness. He also loves justice, right? But we, we have to consider, what, what is the justice of God? God is a loving God. God is a just God. He's holy and just. And so, the scripture says, and, it, and again, it makes it perfectly clear. It says that God will punish sin wherever it is found. Now the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says that God did not spare the world that sinned. But delivered it up for uh, for judgment. He said God did not spare the angels that sinned. But he judged them. And probably the greatest example of God judging sin... Is simply Jesus himself. The Bible says that in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, it says that God did not even spare his own son, but delivered him up for us. So, what we see here, the reason it was necessary for Jesus to go and die on the cross was that, you know, number one, it was the love of God that compelled him, but it was also the justice of God that required him. Are, are you with me? In other words, he, he, there was two things happening. You know, there was, there was the love of God being demonstrated, and then there was the wrath of God being demonstrated. And that's what's happening. Now, here's the third point that, that, that I want to make, and, and that is that what, the reason Jesus had to die and suffer on the cross is God's response to sin and the sinner. Now, the reason it's necessary for God to do this it's because, number one, he loved us. He loved us so much that he was unwilling to live without us, so he came and died for our, uh, for our sins. But also, because he's just and holy, he had to die or he had to judge sin. And the only way that he could do that and still save you and I is by sending, sending his sinless son to live and die on the cross on our behalf. Now, the cross is necessary... Because here's the point. The cross allowed God to both forgive our sins and judge them at the same time without compromising who God was. Are you with me? The cross, and it, this is important. We're considering the scars. That's why the scars are there. Again, we're talking about the scars of Christ. The scars are there because... God wanted to forgive you and I, but he also wanted to punish our sins. And so he did not want to punish you and have you separated from him through all eternity. He said, I have to send a sinless sacrifice in my own son to live a perfect life because in order for us to be made right with God... Everything had to be perfect and completely fulfilled to the detail. So when we're considering the scars, the scars are there because, number one, you and I were helpless and hopeless to to attain salvation in our own strength. It's not Jesus in our good works. It's not Jesus in our religious rituals. It's not Jesus in our singing. It's not Jesus in our preaching. It's Jesus, it's Christ in him crucified. So, to understand Jesus suffered, why did he suffer? So that you and I could be forgiven and so that he could also satisfy the payment, the consequences that our sin created. Now, here's, here's the scripture that says in 1 Peter chapter 3, Verse 18, for Christ also suffered once for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That is why the scars are there. So that's my first point. My first point is the scars teach us Jesus suffered. And I can think of no better time during the year. We should actually consider it every year. When you're thinking about the Christmas story, don't just think about the baby born in the in manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Consider the fact that that baby grew up, became a man, died upon the cross for your and I sin, and he still has scars. One day you will see him. Can you imagine that, that day when you look at him and you actually see those scars? I've tried to comprehend it many times. I've tried to think about that because you know what? This is not something I'm making up. It's not a fabricated story. You know, it's not something that I hope is true. One day my eyes will look upon him. As a matter of fact, the world will look upon him. Zachariah says, he said, the world will look upon, and you know what they're gonna see? They're gonna see the scars. You know why? Because the Bible says that they will look upon him they have pierced. And imagine what that day is going to be like for those that are left and remaining on the earth. Imagine looking upon him as he's coming. Because listen, he, he came as a baby, but he's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. He's coming back to judge the nations and to smite the nations and to separate the nations. He's coming back to bring his kingdom to earth. And he's not coming back as a little lamb. He's coming back as a roaring lion. He's coming back king of kings, lord of lords, and you and I will see him. The scars of Christmas. It's, It's an amazing thing. Now, here's the second thing that that the scars of Christmas teach you. It not only teaches me that, number one, Jesus suffered, it also teaches me that that Jesus sympathizes. You know, when when you read about these scars that Thomas said, I need to look and see, I need to be able to touch them. You know, one of these days, you and I will do the same thing. You know, these scars teach us that Jesus understands what it's like to have to go through pain and suffering here on earth. Again, that was the purpose he came. Ultimately, he came to to suffer and to die for our sins. But because he was fully God and fully man, because he suffered not just on the cross, he did a lot of suffering as a result of just everyday life dealing with religious people. Now, there's people here this morning, you know what? You've got church hurt on the inside of you. You've been hurt, you've been wounded by, by people. You're, you're carrying a lot of pain. Maybe it didn't happen in church. Maybe something happened to you or, 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 or to your family. You know? but, but Christmas time seems to be the time when most of the pain begins to manifest. Not just Christmas, but the holidays in general. That's when most of us that are carrying pain, that's when most of it begins to manifest in our lives. Are you with me? Are you, are, are you hearing me this morning? And I want you to know something. If you are here this morning and you're carrying pain on the inside of you, I want you to know the scars teach us that Jesus understands. Now now look at this verse of, of Scripture, Hebrews 4.15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. And that, that means our, our pain. It means our suffering. It means what we're going through. If you've carried something in here, I mean, God is saying to you, I understand. I know how you feel. Because Jesus did so much more than just sympathize. Now, this is kind of heavy, but I want you to listen to this. Jesus does more than just sympathize with us. He doesn't look down with pity. He doesn't look down and say, oh, I hate that for you. Or I, I wish that, you know, he, 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 not just, he doesn't just sympathize, he identifies. He doesn't just identify, he enters into that pain and suffering. And you know how I know that's true? Because the Bible says that you and I were created in the image and in the likeness of God. The very reason why you have emotions is because God has emotions. The very reason why you feel... Is because God feels. And God says, you know what? I created you like me, and not only did I create you like me, I came to live among you. John Calvin said, he said it like this. He said that the, the, the incarnation is God putting on human flesh and feelings. He come down not just to suffer and die, but to identify. Not just to sympathize, but to... Enter into our pain and grief. The reason why you grieve is because God grieves. You know, the scripture says that Jesus was a man of sorrows. What do you think that means? He understands what it's like to hurt. I mean, I'll never forget, you know, probably the most painful experience that I ever went through. I remember, because, I mean, the truth is, when you're hurting at a level where, where the pain you're going through doesn't make sense, you ask questions, I don't care who you are. And people say, you know what, don't, don't question God. I'm thinking, where'd you get your theology at? You obviously didn't get it from the Bible, because the Bible's full of questions. 3,194, to be exact. Many of them asked by Jesus himself while he was hanging on the cross, what did he say? My God, my God, what? Why have you forsaken me? And so when you're hurting at that level, you know, the reason that's happening is actually irrelevant. I mean, because we can't change that, but we do have to acknowledge that it's there. Because all of us have had our moments where we've been in pain and suffering. The question is, how are you processing that? I love the the verse of Scripture in 1 Peter. He says, you know what? Cast all your cares upon him because he what? Cares for you. He doesn't just care for you. He sympathizes. He doesn't just sympathize. He identifies. He wants to get completely involved in every detail of your life. As a matter of fact, he is involved in every detail. He's involved in every detail in your life. And so the, so, so the, the suffering and the scars teach us that Jesus sympathizes. He, he understands. Now, listen to this verse of Scripture. You know, I've read this probably a thousand times But for some reason, it just leaped off the page uh, to me. I was reading it. And it says, you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Now, I don't know what that means to you. But what that means to me and, and what I was thinking, what I was considering is that, you know what? God is involved in the details. God is involved providentially in all of the behind-the-scenes events that are happening. And But when we're going through things and we don't see God, and one of my favorite things about God is that, you know, God's always faithful, right? Once you come out on the other side of that, And whatever it is that you've went through, as you look back back at it from the other side, you will realize that God has been with you the whole time. Now, how do I know that's true? You're still here today. The fact that you're still here today is proof of the faithfulness of God in your life. If the devil could have killed you, he already would have. If he could have took you out, you've already been taken out. But David wrote, he said, God knows my frame that I am but dust. In other words, he says, if you can take it, you can make it. God knows your load limit. He knows what you can handle. And he says, you know what? When it becomes too much for you, cast it on me. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Some of you this morning, that's what you need. You need rest for your souls. He's acquainted, intimately acquainted. You need to take that home with you. So when you're hurting, and and when you're overwhelmed, and when, when, when you don't know what to do, and when the pain is great, understand that he's intimately acquainted in all your ways. Not some of your ways. Not only is he intimately acquainted in all your ways, he says, you know what, I will order your steps. He said, I will direct your paths. He said, I will lead you by still waters, by calm waters. I'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemy. He is with you. He is near to those that are broken at heart. So if you're here this morning and, and you're hurting, the scars teach us that he understands. Not just that he understands, he identifies. Not that he just identifies, that he is intimately Acquainted with what you're going through. And if you can just grasp that to some small degree, the load that you're carrying will become lighter and lighter as you work through this season of your life. Now, here's the last thing, and I close. And then go ahead and come to music. The scars not only teach us that Jesus suffered, they don't only teach us that Jesus sympathizes, Scars teach us that, that Jesus saves. That, that Jesus saves. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 21, it says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will what? Save His people from their sins Luke chapter 2 Verses 27 through 30 You know after Jesus Was born Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus To the prophet Simeon And he took this child up In his arms And he looked at this child Now can you imagine this man was a Was an older man He was an elderly man He was a, he was a prophet And he holds this child up in his, in his arms, and he looks into the face of this child, and he says, Lord, now your servant can die in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. What Simeon was saying is, I can see God with human eyes. That's what you need to see this this Christmas season. You need to look upon him again. You need to consider why he came. He came to suffer. He, He came so he could sympathize. He came so that he could save. And the scars are there. Literally. Eternally. As a permanent reminder of the proof of his love for us and the price that he had to pay for our sins that's what the scars of christmas teaches but scars are significant because there's a lot of pain and suffering in the world you know the number one reason for atheism and agnosticism is If there is a God and God is good, then why is there so much suffering in the world? People struggle with the pain and suffering in the world. They struggle trying to understand why God would create a world where tragedy happens, where natural disasters happen, where traumatic experience takes place where people experience pain and suffering well the good news is this is that that's not the way God created the world this is not the world that God created this was never his intended plan I mean, if this was his intended plan for the world to be the way that he is, why did he say, pray when you pray, pray, our Father which art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be dearth, uh, done on earth as it is in heaven. If everything is God's will, then why would he say for us that we should pray? Why would he say to us, you know, that, that if everything's the way that it's supposed to be, then you need to pray that it's supposed to be this way if it was automatically going to be so. The reason the world is in this condition is because we live in a fallen world. A day is coming when he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and it won't be like this anymore. Second thing is this. Man forfeited his God-given authority. God gave Adam dominion. He said, Go, multiply, and take dominion over the earth. And God so fully and completely delegated his authority to man that if earth was going to remain a paradise, it would be as a result of Adam taking care of it. Because why? The Bible says that God put Adam in the midst of the garden and he said, tend it. Guard it. Take care of it. Cultivate it. Take dominion over it, rule over it. But when Adam sinned, he forfeited his authority to somebody else. Guess who what his name was? Satan. That's why when Jesus came, he was tempted, he was in the wilderness, fasting for 40 days, tempted by the devil, and he said, you know what? If, if you will, he took him to a high mountain. He said, he said, all of, the, all of the nations of the world in their glory, I'll give them to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. For these have been delivered to me. Well, who delivered them? Adam. Why? Because God said, you know, whatever I do on earth, I'm going to do in partnership with man, not independent of man. Now, God does do things sovereignly. God does do things providentially. God does do things uh, behind the scenes that we don't actually recognize. But God has sovereignly chosen not to act sovereignly. He's chosen to act through people and through prayer. He wants us to be his partner. But we failed. We blew it. Did you know that the majority of the pain and suffering, 95% of the pain and suffering that happens in the world, did you know it's caused as a result of things that we do to one another? And because God gave us a free moral will, And because men don't walk with God, we abuse that free moral will and we take out our immoral acts on other people. Think about that. 95% of the pain and suffering in the world is a result of things that we do to ourselves. But yet, when, when, when you don't see from the right perspective it's easy to make God look like he's a bad God God's not a bad God God's a good God I said God's a good God he's not a bad God he's a good God we are bad he is good and so as a result we do things to each other there's pain and suffering and ultimately there's scars but you know what God's answer was? to all the pain and suffering in the world a suffering savior God's answer was not an explanation it was the incarnation he didn't say I want you to understand this because there's some things that will never make sense earth is full of questions heaven is full of answers but you know what? Even if he did give us an answer or an explanation, it wouldn't be good enough. You know why? Because we don't want an explanation. We want things to change. But the day's coming. The day's coming where the Bible says that God will wipe away every tear from every eye, and there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death ever again. But he says, you know what? If there is pain and suffering in your life, he's so intimately acquainted in all your ways that the Bible says that all of your tears he gathers into a bottle. In other words, every tear that falls from your eye, God collects them. I wonder why he does that. Because tears are a language that only God understands. So he's so intimately acquainted with your ways that even when you can't explain how you feel and you don't even know what to do and you don't have words to say, all you've got is tears. He says, you know what? I'll take those too. And the day's coming when I wipe them away forever. You want to always be this way. That day's coming very soon. Stand with me. You know, there's a term that's called redemptive suffering. And redemptive suffering is actually the pain and suffering that we go through for the benefit of somebody else. I want you to think about that for a moment. That's what was happening on the cross. You know, the Bible says it's by the Lord's stripes we're healed. In the very places that he was wounded, he got authority to heal and the same's true in our lives. And God's not afraid of our tears because God didn't cause our tears. But you know what? God doesn't cause bad things to happen. He doesn't cause pain and suffering. But sometimes he allows it. Why? To redeem it. Because one day you'll come across somebody that's going through a very difficult time that you yourself have had to go through and ultimately been healed from it, but you've got scars. Scars are just wounds that God has healed. And they can actually help people. I don't know that's true. Well, we just read it. You know, it wasn't a miracle that Thomas was looking for. It wasn't a sign or a wonder that Thomas was looking for. He merely asked to see the scars. And why, why did he want to see the scars? Because scars are teachers. Scars are reminders. And so Thomas said, unless I see, and you know what Jesus did? Jesus said, look upon me. Put your finger, put your hand in those scars and believe. And then he said, you know what? You've seen these and believed. The blessed are those that have not seen, he's talking about you and I, and yet believe. I wonder... What your scars Could teach somebody else What have you learned From your scars Scars Are important part of the Christmas story Don't ever forget that Scars teach us that he suffered That he sympathizes And that he saves And what good news that is No wonder the angel declares for I bring you good news of great joy that today in the city of David is born a Savior. Hallelujah. Would you just lift up your hands? Let's worship him for a moment. I want to dismiss you, but let's just worship him one last time. God, we love you. And we sense your presence in this place. And you've come today for a special purpose and a special reason. We know that you came to suffer, and maybe there's somebody here, Lord, that for the first time, they've become awakened to their own condition of their own heart, their own sinfulness, and that they realize that that they've committed sins, and their sins have separated you from them, and I pray, God, that you would let them know that that's the reason why you came, and there's those that are here this morning, Lord, that that are going through tremendous pain and difficulty just trying to make it through this season. Let them know that you sympathize, you understand, and you're wanting to enter in to that pain and suffering. And let them know, God, that you've come this morning to save. You're near to those that are brokenhearted, and you've come, and you're able to save. As they sing and as they play, if you need to be saved, if you've got any pain, if you're struggling during this season and you just like to have special prayer. If you need to know that God understands and you just want, you just want to come and spend time as they sing and as they play. This altar is open for you to come. Let's worship.